Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to your Wednesday, August 26th game day edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez, presented by Penn Medicine, the official health system of the Philadelphia Flyers and Wells Fargo Center. Game number two coming up this afternoon, 3 o'clock puck drop in Toronto at Scotiabank Arena. And the Flyers, after losing game one, four to nothing, have an opportunity to even this series, have an opportunity to do what they've done since early January and avoid losing two straight games. Now, in yesterday's episode, in talking with Chris Terrian, I made the point to Bundy that going down two to nothing in these series, in this situation where you don't have home ice, you're not traveling, you have back-to-backs, which the Flyers have today and tomorrow, and if you lose games one and game two, you don't have a reset of venue to change a lot of circumstance. A lot of times, if you lose games one and two on the road, You go, yeah, but we haven't lost on home ice yet. Well, that's not applicable in this situation. And Bundy made the point, and it's a great point that he made. Teams that go down 0-2 in these playoffs on neutral ice without the uh, help of having fans, you know, rally the team when you go back home if that was the case, uh, it's a lot different of of a dynamic to pull out a series and get back in it and win two straight on your home ice. It's a lot different in that way. And as Bundy pointed out, too, it's tough to win two straight games in two days. But I'm going to provide a little bit of optimism here. I'm going to come from an optimistic lens. Now, game one, the Flyers got shut out. They didn't play well. They weren't ready to play when the puck dropped. Uh, The Isles dominated the first period. They outshot the Flyers 15-4. to Now, the good news is, number one, and I've said it a thousand times, that the Flyers lost 4 nothing, did not play a good game, for the most part, and it's only one game. And they have the opportunity to even the series with a good effort coming up today. And here's where I'm not positive about this, but stay with me here and see if this rationale makes sense. My rationale is this. Losing game one could be the blessing in this series, and here's why. You lose game one, uh, you get a really kind of inconsistent performance out of the way. And then because you have the Game 2 and Game 3 in back-to-back days, so you come out in Game 2, and if you respond, and this only matters if you respond, if, 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 if you respond from the Game 1 loss and come out with a really good effort in Game 2, a complete effort for 60 minutes, control the hockey game, and win it. Say you win it 3-1 to one or 4-1. to one. You have a really good game, stem to stern, and you win the hockey game. Now you're coming right back feeling really good. And the Isles are coming right back knowing they had a one-game-to-none lead in this series, but the Flyers just responded and really came at you and kind of did what did to you what you did to them in Game 1. Can that carry because there's back-to-back and no time really to chew on it and kind of reset? Can that benefit the Flyers if they are to... Again, if they are to come back in Game 2 and have a really good effort and a really good result. It's just my thinking. Plus, this team hasn't lost back-to-back games from January 4th to January 7th. And I know a lot of people after Game 1, and you see it on social media. I know over people overreact. I get it. I understand. A lot of people with hot takes. All oh, the Flyers are going to get swept now. They can't play with this team. They went up. They didn't beat this team in the regular season. Well, the three games that they played against the Islanders in the regular season, 
like I always say, kind of go to the next level and, you know, dig a little deeper and look at not just results, but look at circumstances too, because circumstances are a huge part of hockey regular seasons. The first two games the Flyers lost to the Islanders in the regular season um, were both on back-to-backs. The Flyers were on back-to-backs, back-to-back on the road. Um, And the game in February that the Flyers lost, they were also on a back-to-back, but so were the Islanders. In the first game, the Flyers were on the back-to-back that they took them on this season. The Isles were in the midst of a 10-game win streak. They were playing the best hockey in the NHL. Flyers were on a back-to-back. The Islanders had two days rest. In the second meeting in November, the Isles had just wrapped up their 10-game win streak, but were on their way to six, uh, getting points in 16 of 18 games. And the Flyers were on a back-to-back, and the Islanders had three days rest coming into that game. And then the game, obviously, in February, on February 11th, where the Flyers lost, they came back uh, to that game and tied it at three. But then eventually, uh, the next shift after actually they tied it, uh, Ryan Pellick scored on a bomb of a slap shot, took the 4-3 lead, and they got an empty net goal, and they ended up winning the game 5-3. to three. Uh, but two of the games, the Flyers are on a back-to-back, and the Isles had rest. So you just got to dig a little bit deeper. And I don't think that regular season action really tends to portend to what the playoffs are. Now, if you look around the NHL, you know you look at Game One of the Bruins and Lightning series, and the Bruins won that game three to two. Now, the the score obviously looks very close. It's a one-goal game. A couple late goals by Victor Hedman. The game was actually pretty much dominated by Boston. But then they come back in Game Two. They go to overtime. And the Lightning look like a totally different team. They are skating. They are a wagon. They are flying up and down the ice. And they end up winning it in overtime. You look at a team in that series in the West with the Colorado Avalanche, who look tremendous and are flying all over the ice. They go up against Dallas, who, by the way, couldn't score this regular season, especially 5-on-5. They were 29th in the NHL in goals four. And then somewhere about midway through, that series against the Calgary Flames, something clicked offensively, Joe Pavelski, um, and now they're they're putting up a nickel every night or more. They've put up seven. And right now they have the Colorado Avalanche down two games to none. It, is it panic time in Colorado? Not necessarily because, again, they're not traveling back to Dallas to the home ice with a 2-0 lead. They're in a neutral site. Could I see Colorado just all of a sudden rattling off four straight and ending that series in six? I could. I don't know that that's going to happen, but it could. And we'll see how that, you know, with obviously Philip Grubauer out, how that affects that. And then you look at, you know, a series like Vegas in game one, they were they were like Colorado last round. I mean, they were just a total juggernaut, and they dominated Vancouver five to nothing, and then Vancouver bounces back with a really good effort against Vegas. It looked like varsity playing JV in game number one. But, of course... Vancouver's coming off, knocking out the Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues, and had a letdown game. And Vegas is, you know, a, Vegas is the number one seed in the West for a good reason. They're a really good team. And just like, the, you know, the, you look at Colorado, they're a wagon too. So uh, things in the playoffs are all about adjustments and counter punches. And the Flyers lost game one, and it was a tough loss. And it was frustrating because we've seen far too many times where they come out and it's like they got the memo that, the puck drop was at 8 o'clock when it's actually at 7.10. And that's frustrating, and we, we want to understand why that is and why that happens repeatedly. That's why we need to see them get off to a really good start in Game 2. Um, but you know the biggest mystery of all of this is why are the top scorers not scoring? And I, and I got a DM from a guy that I grew up playing hockey with, and he asked me, he said, 
Would you scratch Claude Giroux in this game? And maybe that would send a message. I'm not going to put his name out there because I don't want to embarrass him. He said, would you scratch Giroux? And maybe that would fire up the team. They need a shakeup. And my response to him was, hell no. I know he hasn't scored, but he hasn't been a liability. And no one you put in will be more effective than him. Scratch the captain, lose the team. And But there's a lot of people with this mentality. And I, and I think a lot of people take joy. And Drew scored one goal in 22 playoff games. I, I think they like to crap on the guy. But whatever. If you're listening to this podcast, you're an educated hockey fan. You understand the other things that Claude Giroux does. But he needs to score. He absolutely needs to score. Uh, he's never been a scorer, but he needs to end up on the score sheet. Maybe I, I shouldn't say he needs to score, but he needs to be. He needs to affect the game offensively, not just defensively. As does Sean Couturier, who looks off right now. As does Travis Konechny who was their leading scorer in the regular season and doesn't have a goal in bubble life. He looked like he was really buzzing in the last game, but he was unable to get anything anything by Varlamov, as the entire Flyers team was. Kevin Hayes has one goal. He's had a couple of breakaways that he can't finish. Sometimes in sports, struggling to score is infectious. It sucks that it's infectious because it's one of those things you never want to be infectious, but also scoring can become infectious and the Flyers got to just do it they got to stick to the process of what they did in that second period get a lot of pucks to the net get a lot more bodies to the net and outwork your opponent and play in their end if they do that once they start scoring and you hope it's game two then all of a sudden things could get really interesting in this series all right let's get to Flyers head coach Elaine Vigneault he addressed the media yesterday after practice and here were his thoughts after a game like that, I know you said the 4 nothing score wasn't really indicative of probably how close the game was, but um, how difficult can it be when you're contemplating changes but also trying to, like you said, trust the group that, that got you here? Well, you know, at this time we got to do what's best for, for the team and, and to find ways to, to win one game, and, and that's tomorrow's game. Uh, there's no secret, you know, how the Islanders are going to play. They're, they're going to come at you. Uh, they're going to four-check hard. They're going to finish every check. Uh, they're going to be uh, obviously uh, very dependable in their own end, so it makes it hard to get to, uh, to their uh, to the front of their net. So we got our work cut out for us. But I do believe that, uh, like I said yesterday, I, I don't think it was a four-nothing game. Uh, I do believe that we had our some real good looks in that second period. And, uh, you know, we got to find a way here to, uh, tomorrow to, uh, to play a better game and to make better plays with the puck. Go to Charlie O'Connor. Hey, Charlie. Hey, Elaine. Uh, in the first round, you, you lost the, the Canadians 5 nothing in game two. C- can you compare and contrast your feeling after that game to your feeling after this game? Yeah, I don't think none of those games were comparable. Uh, in the Montreal game, give Montreal a lot of credit, but we weren't very good. Yesterday, I don't think that uh, our first period was good. I do believe that our second period was was good. Uh, and in the third period, there are two plays, four-checking play where their guy out muscled us and was able to find Peugeot in front of the net. And the other play where we're going in on the four-check and 
a missed assignment uh, from one of our forwards led to a three on two that led to, you know, in the back of our net. So, uh, but, uh, you know, again, I, I go back to, we know exactly what to expect from the Islanders as far as, you know, them coming at us. You got to be, be willing to take a hit to make a play with the puck. And, uh, you know, our guys have got, uh, uh, always bounced back and, uh, Tomorrow will be a, a, obviously a big test of that. You just alluded to how uh, good the Islanders are taking away the area below the dots. And last night there were a lot of low to high plays. Um, go, going forward in the series, I mean, is that, is that a way to, you know, is that just a matter of taking what's available to you? Or, you know, strategically, well, you know, if you get enough pucks back to the point, get some traffic in front, eventually you're going to get a bounce or two. Yeah, I mean, you know, if – I believe that if we get the looks that we got in that second period, sooner or later, you know, some of those are, are going to go in. Uh, we, uh, I felt that, uh, you know, we got some real good looks, uh, a little bit like they did in, in that first period. Uh, you know, it seemed that the momentum shifted in, in both periods, and it was a tight game. It was a one nothing game. That, you know, that's a one-shot going in to tie it up. Or, you know, when they make it 2 nothing, how you know, how – solid they are defensively it makes it real tough on any opponent and the islanders have proved that all year long so uh, again uh, hard fought uh, game tomorrow in perspective and we're going to have to be better you've been around guys world-class guys all your life um when you got top end guys struggling um is there anything that you can do as the coach or do you kind of just have to let them work it out um, I, I, I would say it's a combination of both. Uh, you know, uh, last night, I mean, there's no doubt, that, you know, anybody watching that game, uh, you know, Coots and, and Jake had a hard time uh, with the puck. Uh, you know, there are elite players in this league. There are top-end guys. Uh, you know, we need those guys to be on top of their game, both defensively and, and with the puck offensively. Uh, but they're 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 not the the only guys. But obviously, when you don't score a goal uh, in a game, uh, you know the they're the focus, the attention is going to be a little bit more on those guys. Uh, I believe in them. I, they're good players. They've proved it all along, and you now they've get they get an, a, another opportunity to go at it tomorrow and and show uh, that they're uh, elite players at this league. So I. Expect Definitely expect those guys, to, and not just them. Those two guys came to mind there, but I expect our whole group tomorrow to be better. Yeah, hi, Elaine. Just sort of in that same vein, is there something that, that you picked up on in game one or from watching previous games of the Islanders that you can adjust stylistically, system-wise, to get your big guys, your top six forwards, more opportunities, better looks, or is it they just have to execute what you guys do better? You know, at the end of the day, you play a game game like the Islanders, you know, how many looks are you going to get five on five in a game? And they're hard to come by. You have to work for every inch. And at this time of the year, you know, when you're down to eight teams, uh, the games are that much uh, tighter and harder fought. So it's to be expected that uh, there won't be a lot of room out there and players have to work extremely hard to create that room. And, and when they do get some looks, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, they can find the, the back of the net. But again, at this time of the year, you're playing against, you know, the, the probably the best goaltenders in the league or, or something. When you're down to 16 teams on the playoffs, you go from 16 to eight. 
competition gets harder and better. And uh, that's what makes the, this time of the year, or usually it's, you know, April, May, June. It's what makes this August uh, so special. When you listen to Elaine Vigneault, I've said this several times, as a Flyer fan, it should make you feel good. He is so calm. He's been through this before. He knows not to panic right now. Now's not a time for panic. Now is a time to make adjustments, well-thought-out decisions, and put his players and his team in the best position for success. I believe Elaine Vigneault will do that in Game 2. We'll find out this afternoon when they drop the puck at just after 3 o'clock at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto. That's going to put a wrap on this episode of Flyers Daily. It is presented by Penn Medicine, the official health system of the Philadelphia Flyers and Wells Fargo Center. Supporting our Flyers, Penn Orthopedics creates the ideal care plan with treatment options fueled by our own world-renowned research, doing what once seemed impossible so you can too. Another reason why your life is worth Penn Medicine. Learn more at penmedicine.org slash ortho and give them a follow on Twitter at Penn Medicine. We'll check you out on tomorrow's day after game and game day edition of Flyers Daily. It'll be a big one tomorrow. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you on tomorrow's episode of Flyers Daily.